binge buddies. Toretto's shitty tuna sandwich. <laughs> it's a good name. I like it. I'm your host as always, Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Matt. These names are so dumb today. Zombie dog. Horsey horseless dykes. <laughs> Even though I know that it's cars. <laughs> That doesn't sound like a car. Is it that like one of the first cars ever? Okay, it's like, well, it's like a horse. Because that, that would be perfect Like they were, if they were from movies. Like, at least you give me the Bat- Batmobile. I'll take that. No, I, I haven't read the description on this at all, other than that it's from 1899, and it was... Uh, the first not, ever car. Not, not, well, not much it, of a car. It, it, it sounds like a Kentucky Derby winner. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, we also have... Uh... Hold on, i got to find a better one for him. Yeah, this one works. <laughs> we have Joel Scripps Booth be autogo DeWitt. I like Joel's better. Can, can I hear I, that I mean, again? Scripps, Scripps Booth, Booth, which is a hyphenated word, Scripps, okay. C-R-I-P-P-S, Booth, uh-huh. by autogo, B-I-autogo, A-U-T-O-G-O, and it's from 1913. That's like the serial killer of card names. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like some sort of supervillain's car. No, the supervillain is Ryan Fuller Dimaxion Lutens. Cool. Yeah, that that that, that tracks actually. Quickly, like quickly, Joker. <laughs> Fuller <Unlike> Dimaxion. <laughs> it also looks like a blimp. It is ugly as shit. Are you sure it's a car? I'm, I'm wondering how you what your perception of me, Brian, is. What your perception of me is. Honestly, Ryan, it's the dude standing outside this monstrosity that made me think of you, and they look very cool. Although one of them, <laughs> one of them does Good look thing. like he does look like a dead guy. Uh, just so everyone can listen to to everybody find the photo that I'm going to show people. Um, is, is he is he dead inside? Is that what you're saying? No, he looks he's... like a skeleton. Like he looks like oh. a dead guy. Oh, he literally oh, looks wow. like a dead guy. Yeah, yeah. That that dude's like one hour from death. <laughs> Holy shit! Okay, why is he stood next to why? Why is he stood next to Vladimir Putin? I don't know. Call me Skeletor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he looks more like Skeletor than Frank Frank Langella did in in (laughs) Masters of the Universe. It looks better skeleton looking. Jesus Christ! There's so much I love about this car, though. Like it is just the dumbest thing. <laughs> I love the little horns on the front. I was just gonna like... say I love the little horns. The little horns held on by uh, Phantasm. Um, <laughs> by Phantasm ball. Yeah, Fuller Dimaxion is now my dream car. Is it weird? Is it like it kind of looks like a Klingon bird of prey at the front? As looks, it looks like, looks like oh, it's got way the, over the... my head with the Star Trek reference. <laughs> well, it looks like he's got the torpedo launcher at the front. Oh, it does kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah i i love that car i want that car i'm never gonna have that car um which is what many people said about the franchise we're gonna be watching this uh this next few uh 10 way more than 10 weeks because we have to take a big break uh possibly after the next episode but we'll discuss that later um but we just had to get something out this week we had to start the show in the week that fast 10 came out that's the whole reason we started this (laughs) so i hope everyone's really excited for this friday when most of the world will go see fast 10 uh, although, according to early numbers, less than the most of the world that saw Fast 9. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, these movies have been kind of bona fide hits from the get-go, with the exception of poor poor 3 Fast, 3 Furious. Um, 
I've been a fan of these things since they first started coming out. Uh, we we've mentioned, uh, or I've mentioned in our like little internal chats. I've got a fair bit of nostalgia fueling my my love of these movies. Uh, I remember going to the two dollar theater, or it might have been a five dollar theater by that point, in the Quad Cities with my dad to go see it on like some boring ass Sunday when we had nothing to do. So we go to that like super cheap theater where you got free popcorn with your ticket, but the popcorn oh, sucked. No, uh, mm. uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> and it was like uh, it was just one of those like days of like. We got nothing to do. It's Sunday. Let's go see a movie. And my dad and I both just laughed our way through the entire thing. Like, you just kind of have to enjoy it for the stupidity that it was. And I never stopped enjoying these things. So that's kind of why we're here today. Um, but I think Ryan's the only one in on the show who's actually seen all of them along, not with me, but uh, as well. Uh, yeah. Joel and Matt are coming at this kind of new, right? Correct. Yeah. So Ryan, I remember what, watching your... the Sorry, first one. Like, and this is this is this is how much it dates when I watched it because I remember watching the first one when it was on TV or something, and basically turned to my friend who I watched it with and said, "Gone in sixty seconds is better." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not ten of those though. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what about you? Uh... Um, so I, I mean, I've seen every movie as they've come out, and I remember thinking about things you know the first one's fine then the second one you're like oh god <laughs> then the third one's like where are they going with this and then the fourth one's like oh oh man just kill it already and then you get to five and five legitimately changes everything five is one of my favorite action movies you know out there um it is legitimately good like a, a legitimately good movie it's not just mm -hmm. the fact that it's an action, like it is a very well done film. Thanks, Justin Lin. Why couldn't you do that with the other two? We'll get to that. Um, but then you got I, I can six. I can argue for four. I really like four. Four's uh, okay, but I feel like it's just a run of the mill, like going through the motions. It's okay. It's it's, it's definitely it was, okay. It was their safety movie to be able to greenlit five without four. And I see that. Yeah. We'll we'll 100%. discuss it in like twenty weeks, four weeks. when we get there. <laughs> but no, after five, you get like these genuinely good movies that just keep coming out um you know six was great seven was fantastic eight was okay nine was back to a little bit of form nine was good yeah nine was good and now, now you got x and what's funny though is x has roots if you watch the trailer and you've seen five x has roots to part five so it's just and what i really love about this series too is how future movies like six and seven have roots in two three and four so it's just the writing in this when you look at it long term is really well done and how they kind of go about and make sure things stay relevant and i mean that because when i was watching two again two is an awful movie but i generally like okay now for like the universe as a whole this is okay this is, i'm okay with this movie it's not the best but there's things that i like you know the, the characterization of certain people you know how they're trying to tie everything in it really worked for me but uh, we'll get into that when we talk next week. Yeah, we got next week for that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert, I actually prefer two to this one. <laughs> I, I've i liked two a little bit more as the years have gone on. But we'll talk yeah. about it next week. Because I actually like this week's a little bit less, like, every time I come back to it. I still like this movie, but it's it's probably my least favorite. It might be my least favorite. I, we'll get to it. Joel, go ahead. So, <laughs> like you said, I, I've got no experience with this. I was I was smiling through the first half of this movie like the entire time. Uh, uh, number one, all the races are fun and the visual effects that they put into it, you can feel the speed. 
yeah. in all of it. Like the the speed worrying by the kind of shakiness, but not overly done. Uh, the kind of frenetic panic that's going through all the characters as they play it out. And all of the characters in this movie are strong characters. Yeah. Strong in terms of personality, but also very quickly you get a sense of their persona and who they are in a short amount of time. And so that kind of larger than life sensibility, it it, it really worked for me. Yeah, and I, that might actually be a good place to start with this. We're going to do our best to kind of move through this thing as you know chronologically as we can. Um, but even the franchise at large does not want you to move through these things chronologically because they themselves are not in chronological order. Three takes place after six, seven. I think. Seven? Six Is it seven? seven? Yeah. yeah, like, oh. although, like, their oh. phones are definitely <laughs> from, like, 2006, but the, the storyline legitimately takes place like after part seven even just forget the fact that they we'll have old out. flip phones um for Matt and joel you'll find out and it's a good payoff i promise you it, it absolutely very good is. payoff you have to get to six first in order yeah. to find out the payout okay but but like that's the thing so like we're gonna do our best to move through this chronologically but since this movie's since these movies don't even follow their own rules we're gonna do the best we can um <laughs> But I, I think that the characters are really kind of a good place to start because this movie, it really sets up these very two strong, uh, as Joel put it, leading men. And I actually think their characters, for the most part, they nail in this first movie. They don't really change too much throughout. Like, uh, Brian, I think, solidifies a little bit more next week in part two. He doesn't really change much beyond that character into, but it's still with little mixes of this one. But Toretto, the only thing that really changes in him throughout the rest of this franchise is he gets a little more mumbly. And I don't blame the character. I blame the actor for that. I think he just got older and just can't open his mouth as much unless he's saying, I am grouped. Um, <laughs> but like, otherwise, I think they did a good job. Like, I really do enjoy everybody in this movie. I th Well, I mean, enjoy is a strong word. Some of them are just blatant assholes that you don't really want to spend time with. But they also yeah, did a good job. One of, one of my issues is like one of the characters who's literally, he's angry. That's it. Oh, he's, yeah, he's an angry man. That, that's his character. His character is, I am angry at everything. He's you know, angry Matt, all the time. Matt, blue balls is a serious thing. <laughs> you don't blame him, you blame Mia. Blue balls is a serious thing. His, like, just unbridled excitement when he's talking to, uh, I'm blanking on her name now, Toretto's sister. Um, Jordana Brewster, Mia. Mia, thank you. Uh, I knew Jordana Brewster, but I'm trying to remember their character names. Uh, but when he's talking to Mia, and he's like, what's that restaurant we I you wanted to take me to and he just gets so excited he's like shaking cha-cha-cha yeah you can take me there <laughs> <So it's> like, <laughs> oh that poor guy he uh he had to feel that one um fuck him he was an his... absolute asshole immediately seeing seeing a guy in eating in the restaurant and he's like i'm gonna oh, mess no, him not, up not restaurant it's like oh i'm gonna beat him up he's, he's, he's eating there how dare he it, it's a did? territorial thing. It is. Yeah. Like that, that's what's it. driving his anger. So like I, I agree his characterization is just unbridled anger, but you can sort of step back and figure out the rationale behind it and, and the motivations for can it. Can you imagine him like during the script reading and be like, so my motivation is <laughs> yes. anger. Okay, I got no other emotion. Wait, now, I just I need to understand something. How bad is the tuna that I know he's lying? Like, say, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it's green. <laughs> like, it has to be so bad that as soon as he says, I like the tuna, I'm like, fuck you. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that the tuna sandwiches 
never come back. Even in this movie, like there's one line later where like Dominic's like, not if I care about this or the shop or whatever. And after he says the shop, that is the last time it's mentioned forever. <laughs> it never comes back at all. Yeah, they're franchise. on the run. <laughs> that the that makes the name of the show the even better. Mirror. Doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, they mentioned the tuna sandwich at the beginning of this movie. They stopped mentioning the shop it's from about halfway through the movie. And we've named our podcast. Who knows? I mean, to you be know, fair, we, we did that with Peacemaker, but in reverse. We got it from like true. the last episode. That's true. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe in because they're doing, they're splitting the last one up into two. So it'll be yeah. Fast and Furious 11, Fast and Furious 12. Maybe it'll be Return of the Tuna. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Verona will be the big baddie and who the guy who orchestrated. They have a way of bringing these things back, but we'll get back to. Get into that when we talk part two, but and they do. Uh, maybe, maybe it's all they're all being sort of like manipulated by it by a human bio bioengineered tuna that's pissed off about them eating his son. Dog <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> oh dear God! I mean, if that's where this franchise went, I, I think it'd be one of the greatest stories in like film history. <laughs> Like, oh no, this is like a 12-part franchise. It turned out it was all about an angry fish. <laughs> now, I remember when this thing came out, I, I didn't really have interest in it. Like, uh, the trailers did really nothing for me. You go back and they watch them, like, they don't feel like... It, it didn't feel like this was going to be a big hit. Like, it just didn't. So, I didn't really pay attention to the trailers. But I remember sitting there with my dad in the theater watching this and just going, so, he's a cop. Because I didn't know it right away, but like it's very <laughs> obvious. Like from the moment that he's in Dodger Stadium parking lot driving around, it's like he's not just a racer. Like, and I I do appreciate the movie tries to bury that lead a little bit. Like even like when he gets picked up, like they do the whole like song and dance of arresting him. But I I, I think it's kind of like at that time it was Paul Walker's just kind of attitude or maybe his acting. He couldn't act like he had a secret. It was so obvious that he was hiding something that it's like, okay, so he's the cop. Like, clearly that one. Yeah, the, the persona at that point was overconfidence, <laughs> underqualified. Yeah. It's like he's basically the undercover cop who comes straight up to the person who's trying to get undercover with and goes, hey, want to be best friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that the overconfidence, underqualified aspect of it because it does really kind of fuel <laughs> car puns uh the uh the rest <laughs> oh, of <God>. his <laughs> is that gonna be the rest of this series <laughs> i think we're just gonna stumble into him at some point <laughs> oh yeah yeah i don't you know put the put the brakes on i want to get off <laughs> guys i'm gearing up to talk here <laughs> <laughs> oh we're gonna lose everyone in our first episode um <laughs> this is all making me nauseous <laughs> 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 All right, all thanks right, so for listening. This was great. Oh, we're done. <laughs> yeah, there'll be more. Uh, <laughs> I like how Joel had the look on his face of like, what are you talking about? That wasn't a pun. I was just saying it. it's making me nauseous. I was nauseous. <laughs> it was tough for me to spit that one out, to be honest. I felt like it was like a tiny bit of a stretch, but no, that was um it was a very Andy Zultzman style uh, pun. I appreciate it. Um Anyhow, so talking about Paul Walker in this movie, uh, that whole confidence thing, like that is something that really does inform the rest of his character. I won't go back to the pun. Um, because throughout the rest of the movie, he is considered the second best driver. And he kind of is in this too, which is interesting because you get the idea that he is the best driver on the police force. Like he is the best. He, he smokes everyone else. No one else can even hold a candle to him. 
And the second he gets on the street, he gets beaten. It's like, oh, you're yeah. nowhere near as good as you thought. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's it's that sort of argument, isn't it, between like people who are really book smart, but then they go into like a, you know, like you go to university and you learn everything, every bit of theory and all that stuff. And then you go into the real world and it's like, oh, that's completely out of the window. Like, you know, you when like as a racing thing, like when you're trying out, like who's the best, who's the best driver on the police force? You essentially driving against people who are following rules to a certain extent. And then mm-hmm. the minute you get put into a situation where there are no rules, it's gone. It, it's completely out the window. Like, and you're like, oh fuck, this is, a new way that I need to get used to driving. And yeah. I think that's, that's when we sort of see that he's, he becomes that second best driver Cause he's sort of like his mindset's changing a little bit to like, oh, okay, there's no rules now. I need to just go all out, you know, forget what I've done before. I need to learn very quickly as to how these guys work and like work, do it that way. Yeah. It's like being in a friend circle and being able to beat the shit out of everybody in street fighter. And then you go to college and realize that, no, you're a joke compared to everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That felt very personal, Joel. I'm sorry for your college days. <laughs> I kind of I kind of deserved it after the way I treated everybody in high school. But <laughs> I, I can kind of see you as like someone going, yeah, you just got beat down, bitch. <laughs> it was more so for me, it was Halo. Like, I wasn't the best in our high school friends of Halo, but I'd hold my own. Like, I'd usually get like second or like sometimes I'd eke out of first place. I went to college. I'm like, oh god, I am terrible at this. Yeah, I, I, my confidence like was permanently with... shaken. I still feel like I'm shitty at Halo because the first one <laughs> in college. It's like yeah. when you play like you know Call of Duty or something like that. Like you do the single player and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty good. The minute you go into like multiplayer and you're like dead straight away, dead straight away, dead straight away. It's like, oh, I suck. <laughs> oh, this is this is rude. Um, <laughs> but the, the, what we were saying about uh, Paul Walker and Brian uh, Connor's character. It, it really it speaks more to like what Ryan was saying earlier. Like these movies really do move through each other. Like there is a through line. Like the movies might be wildly different in tone and execution, but the stuff that Brian learns in this movie, he carries over to next week's movie. Like mm. there's stuff he pulls in that movie that the Brian, the beginning of this one wouldn't. And mm. I think that stuff's really important. I think that's partially why this fan base has gotten so big over the years, because it really does reward watching the whole thing. You can watch five and have a great time, but if you've watched everything, you have a better time. Um, and I, I think that starts right out of the gate with this movie. Like the stuff that happens in this movie really does carry over. And it's interesting that we have characters like Jordana Brewster where they never really figured out what to do with Mia, like beyond her being like Brian's girlfriend or Brian's wife eventually. Sorry, spoilers. Um, <laughs> but like uh, beyond that, they don't really figure out much to do with her, but she still feels integral to the movie. It still would feel weird if she wasn't there. And so they, like they, they, they set her up as a driver as well in the first film. Yeah, she doesn't really like, do that you know, much. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, like, having not seen the rest of them, so that she is set up as, like, you know, as someone who can drive. Like, there's, there's that weird sort of date thing they go on where she's yeah. driving and, like, not looking at the road at all as well. Like, I, I noticed that, so that's a common theme in in these films so far. It's like, no one has their eyes on the road. Oh, no. <laughs> at, at, at most, she's kind of a vehicle or in-between uh brian and dom yeah you know, right like, i, I mean he brian has the motivation of wanting to date her but also that's where they kind of build the trust between each other i gotta i gotta i gotta be the bridge of the gap here you know in later movies we see this whole idea of 
oh god i can't believe i'm doing this family um, <laughs> you guys will find out what that means but like <laughs> these films I, will teach you the meaning of family they really they, will they do <laughs> they really will. um but no like mia is is the catalyst essentially because of things that are going to happen down the road like you know she is you know dom's sister and then as things go on it just progresses and i'm not going to spoil spoil things but i don't know it's like you know when you think about the theme of family in the whole movie it all starts with mia because she is the one that is you know dom's sister she's the one who is the love interest of brian she is the one that is essentially pulling the family together and she, she's kind of she's the innocent yeah in all this. yeah she knows she knows what's going on she very much knows that her brother is dirty uh but she doesn't know specifically what so, yeah, she stays out of it in that terms of innocence. Yeah, and, and it's not <laughs> like they and they still they still use the character well, which is what's important. Right. Um, the The woman who didn't get a lot in this movie, but she just grows to be one of the biggest characters in the franchise is Letty, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character. Like, yeah, she is very just there to be. She's kind of the TNA character in this thing, which is like yeah. And they, they do a better job than just making her that character because she's a driver. She's fully integrated in the crew. She's helping out. She's the one who does the She's driving. a badass. She's a fucking badass. Like, she yeah. drives through the, under the, the semi-truck. That's her yes. car doing that stunt. Mm-hmm. Like, Letty is amazing. But they don't really, the movie kind of seems to not realize that. Which I know, like, probably Cohen, the director, would be like, oh, fuck you. Yes, I did. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like, oh, yeah, we got this hot chick over there who's driving a car. But wait, she's really holding her own, but they don't really showcase her in that way. It's like this weird, like, kind of push and pull of, like, no, we just wanted a hot chick in the car, but also we hired Michelle Rodriguez, who's a fucking badass. So I guess she's going to do both, and the movie just kind of lets her do whatever Was she Was she a badass at this point, though? Because isn't this, like, one of her first films? Resident Evil. Yeah, Resident Evil. Was this... But, this no, Resident Evil was after this, wasn't it? I think they came out in two. This was post, I believe. Well, either way, this was kind of like, this was the role she was looking for. She wanted to be the yeah. badass girl. And I'm not sure if this uh, character was written. Before. It Matt, was before? Matt, Matt wins. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, another movie before this, and it was that boxing movie, Girl Fight. Oh, she was so good in Girl Fight. And then uh, after this, it's Resident Evil and Blue Crush. So, yeah, she was really popping off right then. Yeah, um, but, like, it was cool that they let her be the badass in this movie. Because it didn't feel like the type of movie that would let her do that. Like, you'd almost expect her to be riding shotgun, like, in Toretto's car at every time. And they never did that with her. And, like, that was great. And I think, too, with it, with Letty, is I think Michelle Rodriguez understood her purpose was, it's almost like the silent bodyguard. You know, you think about, you know, James Bond movies and you think about the female henchmen and things like that. You know, she was, she could hold her own, but she was that maniacal presence behind Dom. She can kill somebody with a look. And she does in this movie. Just yep. when she's looking over her shades, I'm like, all right, sorry, I'm, I'm going to back off now. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to bother you. Yeah, sorry it's like you. The, uh, the the race, um, is it race, race wars. wars in, yeah, yeah, in the desert where she pulls up against, like, there's that guy's like, oh, woman, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna kick your ass. And she just does this look over and just like, <laughs> and doesn't she do it with her middle finger as well? Yeah, she she did. like push him up like that. Yeah, and then like absolutely just destroys him. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's a presence when she's not even speaking. And I think that, you know, for her fate in four, sorry guys, I'm spoiling things, but her fate in four 
it seems justified because of how much of a yeah. badass she is. And then she definitely has the redemption arc as we, as it moves forward. So, I mean, they all kind of do to a certain degree. Um, maybe not Toretto. Toretto's kind of a... He's pretty much cardboard cut out the entire fucking yeah. series. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love Toretto. Don't get me wrong, but he, he's, he's good. He's kind of the most boring character in these things. Family. <laughs> yeah. Fam- yeah. Thank you, Toretto. Yeah. Yep. You got your two you cents. Know, you in. said you were. You said, the best part is he doesn't mention family like that at all in this movie. It's the cop. It's Ted Levine. He's the one that talks about family. So but, it's his fault. The funny thing is, there's a lot of stuff that isn't in this movie that becomes like series staples. Like the whole yes. like constant car shifting doesn't really yeah. happen in this thing. That really kicks off in the next movie. Like that becomes yeah. like the series staple. Whenever you show someone a car, they're going to be shifting gears at some point. Like every single time, if they're on camera, you better have be having them shift gears. Like it's just, it's going to happen. Which like they do it a little bit in this one. And it was like, what was kind of funny with that is like, they're shifting gears up and the revs are going up and I'm going, and I'm thinking, mm, that's not how cars work. <laughs> you want your revs to go up, you shift down. Yeah. They, uh, by the part of, I want to say by the, yeah, probably about part four. Just don't pay attention to which way they're shifting because they're just shifting <laughs> all the time. Close ups of the feet, like hitting the clutch and like <laughs> coming like, off the accelerator all the like... time. Like it'd be really great if at one point there's just a wide shot and somebody's just stalled out. Just ah, oh, sorry hey guys, just go, just go. I'll catch up. Too much noise. I did what I did find really funny about this, and it does it seriously dates the film, like the high ticket items that were stolen were DVD players and TV and VCR combos. Oh yeah. By Panasonic. <laughs> and, and, and he's like, yeah, they're worth 1.6 million. And I'm like, what did they do? Steal 1.6 million of these DVD players? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was 2001. But even then they weren't worth that much. Surely. They, they would have had to have stolen. I mean, a, a lot, like, like a, a lot. lot. Truckloads. <laughs> <laughs> truckloads, yeah, they have to steal truckloads. Yeah, but tr- truckloads, not one truck. <laughs> we know they stole at least two. That's true. Well, I mean, they successfully stole at least one. Yeah. The, the second one, he, he does get away at the end of the second one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and like, just going back to the cars as well, like you know, with like looking like they've run over sunbeds. <laughs> that's very, that's very kind of dated thing. Um, I just found my note about the DVD players, and it was six million, six million dollars in DVD players. And my note was, I think oh, that was yeah, that was overall, wasn't it? Yeah, like, I was like, like one of them was one point six million, yeah, and then I think one truck was one point six. So maybe that's it. They yeah. stole six trucks. Um, but <laughs> my note to that one was like, nowadays I think that would buy all all of them, <laughs> <laughs> all the DVD players, please. <laughs> yeah. In the world, yeah, you'd probably have some shops? money left How over. How many pawn shops would you have to go to? I mean, a lot. But <laughs> hey, hey, dude, I want to fence these DVD players. Really, like, <laughs> dude, we we we've gone on two generations since then. We got 4K Blu-ray players here. No, 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 I got these DVD players. <laughs> okay, how much do you want for them? One point six million. million. How many of them have you got? <laughs> oh, a couple, all, couple, a couple of thousand loads. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many have you got? A couple of thousand. Uh, I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> yeah, that and that'd be a that'd be a steal. Um, 
So I want to talk a little bit more about like just kind of like how these characters interact throughout this movie because I, I want to end with the stunt work. That's kind of where I want to end this thing because that's really what I think is what brought people and kept people watching this movie throughout the years. Um, but a little bit about these characters interacting because we've been kind of hitting around a little bit. But there, there's one scene in particular that I think is it kind of showcases where the rest of the franchise goes like thematically and like character interacting wise. And it's after um, that first race where Brian shows up. And I, I love that first race. It's probably my favorite sequence in the whole movie um, where Brian shows up at the end to save Toretto as he's getting chased by cops and they mm -hmm. race and they, they go and save each other. They go and get some plot thrown at them for a little while. Um, the plot to this movie is really forgettable. Um, but when they go back to that party, like when they meet up, like I love everything at that party. I love that's where we get Corona, which they insist yep. on drinking throughout the rest of the goddamn franchise. Um, they really take that note to heart. If you can have any beer in the house, as long as Corona. it's Corona, like that, <laughs> that holds. <laughs> he really has a thing for Mexico. Really does. He does. Um, just fucking go there. Then <laughs> he does at the end of the movie, but you guys didn't see the post credit scene. Yeah, I skipped it. Yeah, I didn't realize I, it was a I've seen it before. Um I didn't realize it was a mob driving down. Religion. It's literally just him driving down a desert road saying, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Yeah. That's that it. such a bad line. <laughs> they, you can tell they're really proud of that. Well, they tried quite a few lines in this thing. None of them held. Yeah. <laughs> the dialogue <laughs> at times you do you do go <laughs> some of the lines. Like, well, you're, that you're... was me all watching too. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I don't know which one has worse lines. I'd pro I'd probably go two. with this one. Two does. Because two, the, <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. But two, the courting lines fit the tone, whereas this yeah, one yeah, they, yeah. they break. Yeah, the tone. I will say that two does not. I always agree because this yeah. film, like, I think this film takes itself way too fucking seriously, <laughs> like way too seriously. Like the introduction to Toretto, where he's like, he's just. He's just like this, almost like a silhouette, and he's like, oh, "I'm so fucking cool. I'm just I'm gonna drink I'm my soda. Hanging, I'm just hanging around back here. I'm not. I'm ignoring. It's like, Dad, will you sort this out? And it's like, I'm just gonna ignore it. I'm gonna make. You need to shout at me a few more times. Then I'm gonna turn <laughs> on the cool. Then I'm gonna get cool. a guy fired. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, I'm gonna wait for you to fire place. <laughs> I mean, how much money does Toretto spend at Harry's shop so that he can fire his employees? Like. Good lord, the amount of power he has of that store. You work at Harry's, right? You just got fired. Like, Jesus. And then Harry I mean, still I, wouldn't fire him. <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect to see a male Karen in this film, though, to be fair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to speak to your supervisor. You're fired. I mean, and all just because he wanted to eat a shitty tuna sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> Wasn't asking for much. Um, <laughs> or what haven't we hit on this thing? I was going to talk about that party, but we, we kind of just steamrolled past we it. We haven't talked about stupid cameos. Hello, Ja Rule. Oh, my God, Ja Rule. Well, another <laughs> that, that, kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about was the music. And actually, that kind of fits mm -hmm. into it as yeah, well. It's yeah, like, you're welcome. The music dates this film as well, because it's like they're not going for what what's a good song that fits the thing. They're just basically going... Oh, what's a cool song of the time that's going to get the kids in? And it's like, you know, when Rolling by Limp Biscuit came on, we're like, oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm 13 again. <laughs> Joel's laugh is everything. <laughs> oh, man. I, I I was unashamedly a Bid Fred Durst fan in middle school. Oh, boy, yeah. So was I. So was I. 
Yeah. So was I like yeah. rolling, um, my way, and mm-hmm. what was that one they did? For break the... stuff. Break stuff. It's just one of those days. You don't want to wake yeah. up. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. You don't really know why. You want to justify ripping someone's head off? I can keep going. Uh... No, one that they did for Mission Impossible <laughs> Two as well, which which was around the same time as well. Yep. So what I what I got to say about this, since you brought it up, is you know Brian or Brian and I made this. The, the music in this, the entire series is on point. There's nothing you can you can you can't bash it. You literally cannot because when you're making a movie about fast cars and just a life uh, in in underground, I guess that's what you listen to. Like the scene when they're walking around. I don't know if it was in this one or part two, but they show all the stereos. I that's what I imagine things to be like. You know, the music in this just definitely hits, and it just like Brian said, it definitely dates it and makes it more of a nostalgia piece but that's that i mean but look at the cameos like they have jaw rule in this one you've got ludicrous in the next one but ludicrous becomes more of a staple but i mean it's just by five he's a full-blown main character like <laughs> right like it's just it's amazing to see how when you go back and watch these movies how much of a time capsule they are you mm-hmm. know you think about you know matt had made the comment about masculinity and when you have movies about gearheads of course there's going to be some type of masculinity you know, guys are trying to always one up each other. You know, look at their cars. That's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to have toxic. It, it's a competitive. Building. It's a competitiveness that runs right. inherent yeah. in a type of person. Yeah. And, you know, I know people the, like the cars that, that, that care about their cars. So. Yeah, the, the cars thing. It's it is almost like you know, you know, it's it's the sort of like the gearhead version of the dick measuring contest. Look at yeah. the size of my engine. Look at the size mm-hmm. of my stereo. Like you know. I got and like the thing. I've they, got a PS2 in my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's playing like one. Daytona USA or something. Yeah, yeah. horribly. The guy's cruising USA. In <laughs> yeah, it's like he's crashing all over the place. It's like, I hope he doesn't drive like that in real life. So this is what I don't want to do. Okay, cool. I've got but, the but, crashing out of my system. Now I'll do it with the real car. Not not inside the car thing, but that made sense too. Like you know, people who love football and they'll play Madden. And yeah, only Madden, right. you know. What do you got uh, against me? Um, I don't play Madden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you look it up, like, there's plenty of lists that will go like the best music from the Fast and Furious franchise. Like, people get really yeah. amped up about the music because beyond this first movie and even the second one a little bit, but like, they really spent their time finding the right songs to fit the tone of these movies. Like, when we get up to like see you again from part seven like i know people who still cry when they listen to that thing because they tie it so well to the farewell of paul like they Mm -hmm. do so many great things with music in this movie it really does start here even if it's not as good but like we have the jaw rule song that he wrote for this movie and part of his payment was he's in the movie it's the worst (laughs) racer but it's it's the miami vice thing really like so in in the 80s you've got miami vice which was using a lot of this like it was the music of the time it's yep. just the music of the time that they were using ended up being these sort of like really classic music whereas the music of the time that they used for the for these films it's kind of forgettable like you know the the music in that time it was very it is very much of its time whereas a lot of the like you know 80s stuff it's become its own kind of genre really like you know that yeah. the 80s like power ballads and stuff like that kind of you know it kind of became a thing in the 80s and because i think it's i think that's what 
so this this is doing the same thing that Miami Vice did, but it's just the period it's doing it in the music wasn't as sort of unforgettable, I guess. And it's not really unforgettable, but do, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's the music has aged better from that was used in those. So you, you don't look at it and go, I mean, you look at it and go, oh, it's eighties as fuck as Miami Vice, but it's all you don't sort of like you're not sort of like sitting there going, oh yeah, this this song I'd forgotten about this song. It's kind of like a song that you do remember. Whereas with yeah. this one, like, you know, Rolling came on, I went, oh, I'd completely forgotten about this. I'd completely forgotten that Limp Biscuit were a thing. Yeah, and mm. that's kind of what I was saying earlier with, like, it's more of a problem in this movie, because I think by the next movie, the songs that pop up are th- songs I'm still familiar with. Like, when Act of Fool starts up, I'm like, I know Act of Fool. Like, every time I hear that song, like, oh, there's Luda. Like, I definitely, like, that one's not like, oh, I remember that song. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with the Luda song. Yeah. Um, it's more of a problem in this one, but I think that also could be just a, both a function of the times and the budget of they did not when when Rob Cohen set out to make the Fast and the Furious he was setting out to rip off a movie from the eighties not to make a ten movie spanning franchise like yeah. <laughs> I mean no that was the thing yeah so yeah. You know, this is when, when we look at this was that's the producer sorry he's yeah. done every movie <laughs> that's that's fair I think that's the thing like you, you look at this film and it's like it's, it's difficult to kind of like separate from the rest of the series when actually this is the first one and wasn't really planned to be a series it was one of those things like well if it's really successful we'll do a second one but they never like it, you know if you go back in time and say to Rob Cohen it's like you know the, there's going to be 10 of these they're going like really He's like, <laughs> I'm not going to direct any of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> This is what I'm going to say about the series is that, you know, the first two are completely the only thing that they have in common is Neil H. Morris, but he is prevalent through the whole series. He's the yep. guy that produced these things. But Gary Scott Tom Thompson wrote the first one and did the screenplay with David Ayers, who did like Training Day. Yep. So that kind of like that that bad boy feel. He also wrote the story, did not do anything else with the screenplay for the second one. And then it was turned over to Justin Lin and Chris uh, Morgan. Justin Lin was the director, Chris Morgan. And he wrote every movie, story and screenplay. So when you hit Tokyo Drift, you can start to see like the inner workings of how they're going to start pulling these things together, especially with the end of three and how they yeah. hold it. I mean, there's just things, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Well, I think, I think it, that's the thing, isn't it? Like by the time you get to a third film that's doing successful, it's like, okay, we have a series now. Well, we can start looking long term on like, you know, building a almost like a right. yeah. like a Bible as it was, like, you know, like a series Bible for these things. And we'll get to that when we get to three and four and whatnot. But a lot of that has to do with hiring Justin Lin because he stayed on for three, four, five, six, and then he left for seven and eight and he came back for nine. But like Justin mm. Lin is like he, without Justin Lin, you don't have a Fast and Furious franchise like that. Correct. He's yeah. The director that made all this happen, yep. and he's just not involved yet. So you can see how these feel wildly different. But even he needed time to grow. Like three and four feel different than five and six. Like he needed yeah. to kind of flex some muscles too. Now I love Justin Lin. I wish he did more, but he's always known as a Fast and Furious guy, and his Star Trek didn't do very well, even though I think it was better than both the Abrams ones. And it's like I really like yeah. Justin Lin. I wish he did more. I, I should probably watch that Star Trek film, but like, I, it was one of the things like after Into Darkness, I was like, "Fuck that, fuck that!" Like, I, have you I not seen Beyond? Darkness. There were a no. lot of them. you should. No. As a star, Chewie is a Chewie. My wife is a diehard Star Star Trek fan. She hates Into Darkness. She watches Beyond rather regularly. She's like, "This is okay. a solid Star Trek movie." Right. I'll watch it then, like because yeah. it, that's always been the thing. It's like I despised Into Darkness, 
As you should. I, it's a shitty I, movie. <laughs> there is a moment in that film where I made the entire cinema audience who was in there with me piss themselves laughter because I just went, fuck off, in the middle of like... <laughs> Was and it? the whole audience just burst Yes, <laughs> oh, it was. It was. It was the bit where the pasty white guy says, "I am Khan," and I went, "Fuck off." <laughs> yeah, that fairs. Uh, that tracks. Uh, Try to say that's fair and that tracks at the same time. It came out. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I was like, "Is that an American thing?" I'll just let it go. <laughs> I mean, sadly, yes. We we combine words and we just try to pawn it off. It's like, no, that's what I meant to say. Kafefe. Anyhow, uh... <laughs> Kofifi. <laughs> There's a few things I, I'm like going through my notes because they're just random things that I took. One of the things I just noticed: floppy disk. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a full-on like 3D things. Like that wouldn't fit on a floppy disk. Nope. <laughs> and then the other one, because um, this is not going to come up naturally. But I just like they're having sex while she's still wearing her leather trousers. Sure. What is this? A phantasm film? <laughs> <laughs> Got the Reggie special. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- that's it. I think we should, can go back to like talking, like in some sort of coherent well, structure. The, <laughs> the one thing that that we have not talked about that we do need to finish up with this thing before before we move on to uh, the end of this is we have to talk about the stunt work because the stunt work in this is partially why I think the movie was such a hit. Like in you watch that trailer, you go back to it. They show that shot of the car driving underneath the semi and this is before CGI. So someone fucking did that. Some of it is CGI. Oh, some I, of it is, but, but like looking at it, like some of the car stuff, cause you can tell because the yeah. cars are moving like cars don't move, but that, that bit with that the semi, was real. that's yeah. real. You can sort you can definitely see that. But uh, they, what I mean by this is like before like CGI, this is basically, Anything that takes place, or any movie that came out pre-Iron Man was basically pre-using CGI to fully fucking replace things. Like, certain things yeah, tried yeah, it, like, um, yeah. Revenge of the Sith is, like, always my big one. Like, there's a shot they just didn't get, so they just use fully animated people, and it looks really weird, and it always bothers me. So, like, <laughs> this is when they're still trying to learn that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like so the fights in Blade 2. It, it just yeah. it looks so weird. Because... It looks odd. Yeah. Yeah. So this is still in that time frame. So the, the idea of having in your script, the car drives under the semi, you have to go, fuck, I have to drive a car under a semi. Like there might be ways to like make it safe, which I'm sure they did, but you still had to get cars going probably between 20 to 30 miles per hour and drive under a fucking semi. And yeah. it's like, and it looks like that happened and it's really cool. And then <laughs> I love the callback next week where it doesn't work out so well. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But like beyond just that, we have what eventually became the Marvel standpoint of having people getting out of cars while they're driving and jumping onto other cars. And this is still stunt work they did in person. Like I know they're not going so fast that like if they hit the ground, they're going to be just a red smear. But if they tripped and the wire work didn't work, he'd fall under a semi. Mm, like, yeah. like these stunts happened and they look incredible. Like you go to later movies and like the stunt works are these people are fucking superheroes. Like there's just no, I, I still, I still think that like stunt work is, is a, um, it's a skill and a technique or whatever. I can't think of the actual word. Basically what I'm trying to say is there should be an Academy award. Absolutely. I agree for stunt work because it is insane. The amount of effort that, and, skill and just damn 
balls or whatever yeah. it takes to do some of this stuff. And, and honestly, like, I'd go two categories. There should be a stunt coordinator, the guy who actually comes up with the stunts. That should yep. be an Academy Award and the people yep. who perform them. Both of those things should be two stunt yeah. categories. Yeah, it's definitely an art form. Yeah. It really I have is. have to do the shit and make it look real. And they do that in this movie. I mean, when, when Vince the idiot is jumping onto the back of the semi and he's, or he's jumping out of the front of the semi with the semi driver shooting a shotgun at him, that scene feels like that guy's going to fucking die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, with, I mean, with, I wanted him to fall off and get run over. <laughs> to be honest. I really did not like that. He's better story. when he comes back in a few movies. You'll, you'll, you'll <laughs> like him more. He comes back. I, is he less I, angry, man? <laughs> he's still angry, so, but a little less. <laughs> What I, what I like about this movie, especially the stunt work, and what really sets the bar for this is, you know, it's almost twofold. When you do car sequences, you can do a car sequence, and then you can actually do a car sequence properly. This movie nailed it. The editing and the way that it is shot makes it that much more believable. I yeah. think the way that everything in this and how they filmed these action sequence makes it that much better. And, and a testament, testament of that goes to Rob Cohen, who essentially is a uh he does a lot of uh action movies. You know, he did uh Dragonheart, Daylight. Um, he did what oh god, what else? He did didn't he do uh uh Triple X with Vin Diesel? So I think so, yeah. So, yeah. The, the guy the guy knows how to do an action sequence. So kudos to him and especially his editing team because everything was very seamless. You know, as a movie, it is definitely put well together. The writing might not be the best but i mean when you're doing a movie about car thieves and an undercover cop there's not much to the story there is depth to the characters i mean even you know oh god what's his name johnny tran played by yeah. uh the guy who die another day villain yeah the, i can't i can't remember but it was but like was his the, character like when he gets mad at toretto about how they came into his house like I felt that like oh yeah you know, this movie definitely has its moments but it's so underrated because people just kind of interpret it as this mindless action film, which it is. But there's actually some very good elements to this movie, like, you know, the the action sequences that are very well directed. So kudos to the stunt team and the editing team and Rob Cohn. <laughs> and Rob Cohn and like the, those actors that we just kind of like breezed over. But the, the Johnny Tram and like his the right hand guy to Johnny Tram, like he later plays like he's a character actor. Like He pops up all the time. He was a main character on the show Grimm. Which, Grimm, yes. He's great made, in Grimm. Chewie made me watch Grimm. I never gave it a shot. And then, like, I fucking love Grimm now. Grimm is fantastic. <laughs> it's it's the dumbest show. But, but like, it's so it's good. It's so good. Um, fuck. It's like Rob Cohen. Like, we were just saying, Rob, he started off, like, you know, he did at least one episode of Miami Vice. I think he did a few of them. But he did one of, like, and it was one of, it's an episode called Definitely Miami, which is, it would like a lot of people like I used to be on a Miami Vice forum ages ago. I like the show. Go figure. Um, and like people would always say, like, what's the coolest looking episode of the series? And the, like so many people would say definitely Miami, because it's very much it's got this very there's a very unique look to that episode. And I think it's kind of like it, you know, a lot of that comes from Rob Cohen. I mean, I know that like Miami Vice was very highly stylized and a lot of that came from like Michael Mann having his his rule book of like, you know, what you could and couldn't do. But like you bring in directors, they allow they they could put their own sort of like, you know, and you put directors in a, in a series which is actually taking cinematography seriously as well. It allows these sort of like these newer directors to play a little bit. And I think that's where 
you know, you've got a lot of very skilled directors starting out on that series as well. And Rob Cohen, as you know, he will have learned on there how to shoot action and taken it f- further in these films. And like, you know, it's, it's a very good thing- director. The other thing he'd pick up on Miami Vice, and he'd really carry... I'm not sure if he picked it up there, if it's just who he is, which would make sense. Um, But it would work well in Miami Vice and has worked well throughout his entire career, is this guy clearly really enjoys melodrama. Like... Yes. And it's it's prevalent throughout all of his movies. Like, you even go to, like... uh, Like, he just full-blown made a melodrama back in 2015 with uh, Jennifer Lopez called The Boy Next Door. And it is just, like, this very, like adult film melodrama and it's way over the top it's not very good but like it's fun like you kind of get like this guy likes making kind of pulpy melodramatic movies and he's done it well like every time even triple x is very melodramatic and way over the top like (laughs) i i enjoy that about him and it's i i would have liked to see what else he would do with the fast and furious franchise but at the same time i I love justin lynn and i'm kind of glad that we we went that way than staying with rob cohen Rob, next, uh, he had to make Tomb of the Dragon Emperor for the Mummy series. Oof, not not, not his best movie. Yeah, uh, I'd forgotten about dude. that. Thanks for reminding me that that, that exists. <laughs> but You're next welcome. week, <laughs> even I love over that one as well. Rachel Weisz was like, nah, uh, not this one. I'm gonna pass. <laughs> uh, but I think we're hitting the point now. Would be good to kind of move into our our favorite moments or quotes or whatever you got for this week. Uh, I I was going to start talking about the next week because I really want to talk about John Singleton because I fucking love John Singleton. But uh, that's more of a quiet. It's more of a talk for next week. So I want the people who have not seen these before to go first, at least this week. So, uh, Matt, I know you were having more of a rough watch than Joel was. So what what was your favorite moment in this? So I'll I'll go like because I always have a quote, but I'll I'll do two. So I'll do a quote and a moment. So my favorite moment though, it's the the car under the semi because like. <laughs> I went back and I rewatched that just that one sequence, and it's just like you can see the like how fast it is going. Like there's there's no camera trickery going on here as well. There's like you know you can tell when, especially with cars, you can tell when the when they've ranked. Uh, what do they call it? Where they speed up the uh, ramp it. Oh, ramp. Ramp. Yeah, they've ramped up the the frame rate or down whichever it is to make it look faster. Um, I can't. I can't remember which. I think it is it lower speed for it It'd to look faster. Fewer frames goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've not sort of like um ramped it down to speed up because you can always tell. You know, they may have done it like you know twenty frames a second instead of twenty four frames, but it's not a ridiculous amount. And there's, you can tell they're going at speed as well. And like yeah. you know, it's just the incredible sort of like stunt work in these films like you know say what you will about the films and like you know the the story the like and all that stuff you have to be you cannot watch these films and not say that's impressive when you see those those stunts like you know so i I, like for me that moment is is up there because you sort of like the minute it just at high speed just goes straight under and you're like oh shit that's and then, like you get the shot where it's driving under, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's still moving at that that speed as well." Yeah, it's, they're, they're going, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. And the line is just like the fucking pizza hut driver who pulls up and it's just like, "Goddamn street racers!" That's Rob Cohen. <laughs> is that Rob Cohen? Yeah, that's Rob Cohen. Yeah, <laughs> I 
just love the line, the line read on that though, because it was just like it's so ridiculous because it's like the pizza driver's like, goddamn street racers. Like I just, the follow-up, find a new way home, pizza boy. <laughs> so- <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh Joel, what about you? I'm gonna pull a man here and I've got a quote in a moment. Uh oh, wow. The the Joel's quote- not following the rules. The world is breaking down. <laughs> every once in a while you need to figure out what rules you can bend Uh, (laughs) my quote it's a little tainted because it's preempted by a very strong uh gay slur starting with the letter f that seems oh yeah yeah, it seems a little too mean it kind of took me off guard a little bit uh still hits go get your burger somewhere else yeah and Brian says, I like the tuna here. And Vince goes back, bullshit, asshole. No one likes the tuna here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, it being preempted by that's a little disappointing, but it also gave me that kind of whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by surprise. My favorite moment has to be the last drag race. Um, it It's obviously telegraphed pretty badly uh, that that car is going to come back in some form of race. And it ties back into that, like, live my life one quarter at a time that I know people don't like the quotes of. But then it, you can tell it's cathartic for Dom's character to actually do it. And then afterward, having Brian give him the car and saying, I owe you a 10 second car. It was just not really nice closed loop moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a good moment. I, I love that last. I mean, Ryan said it right in the beginning of this episode. All the race in this thing are good. Um mm-hmm. So since everyone's doing two, I'll do two as well. Uh, my my favorite moment is that that first race I mentioned it earlier with the uh, where Brian loses his car, where he has to owe him a ten second car. Yeah. I love everything about that race, and even like my my favorite line will come in uh, right after that. They're all tied together. It's after the the race is done, and Brian just rolls up to the the starting line with a shit eating grin on his face, like ah, I did I it, <laughs> and just that like I almost had you, and that Dominic's re- reply was so good. You almost had me. You never had me. You never had your car. <laughs> I, I love that just double hit. And like, it's that moment of like, he's just ripping into Paul Walker's character, but he's doing it with this smile on his face. And you can tell, even though he only beat him by an inch, not a mile, um, when he's winning, I get it. Uh, but at that moment, it's probably the closest Dominic's ever come to losing. And even though he's going to rip into him and make a show of him, he still already got a little bit of respect out of him because he did that good. And you can tell if he thought nothing of him, he'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Give me your car. But because he earned his respect, you have that bigger of a show. And I loved it. Like I thought like that entire sequence just really pulls me into the movie and with these characters. And it's just a ton of fun, but just that line back of you never had your car. It's so good. (laughs) My turn. Yeah, bring it close. Okay, so I have to I have to keep up with the thing. I'm gonna have two quotes in a favorite moment. Uh, but this I have one really good favorite quote, but I have to do something with the sandwiches, obviously, because of the theme of our show. <laughs> but it's just when Dom looks at me and he goes, What did you put in that sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But I, you know, just you know, you've got this great tough guy performance in Vin Diesel. Or it's just him being Vin Diesel, however you want to look at it. Um, and you know, when Joel said the the scene about the final the race, and then he ends up, you know, he, they make the train, they beat it. You're like, oh yeah. But then he, uh, 
garbage trucks comes out of nowhere and he launches his vehicle in the air mm-hmm. and what he says after is just so funny <laughs> and it's, just, it's delivered so well vin diesel goes or dom goes that's not what i had in mind <laughs> that, was, that was perfect like i just good delivery everything but no my favorite moment actually is a suspenseful one um, and I think it's beautifully acted by all those involved, but it's right after the bus that goes wrong because um, Jesse or yeah, Jesse flees because he raced his dad's car and, and got it lost and they're down a man, but you know, Vin Diesel wants to go because this is the last hit. They take this and they can take their money and run and they do it and it all goes wrong. Vince's arm gets jacked up, you know, he gets shot. There's all this stuff going on and uh, Brian knows he's got to make a call. And when he just the whole scene, when he is making the call and he is not breaking eye contact with Dom makes that scene so much better. Oh, yeah. Um, And just the look on Vin Diesel's face, like in the and just the panic in Paul Walker. He's like, oh, my God, I got to save this guy, but I'm betraying someone like beautiful. The whole thing about it was excellent. I probably the best acting in that movie. The tension oh. is palpable in that. Yes. Yeah, you you just like you can see the look in like his eyes of like he wants to murder him right then and there, and you can see like this almost like a betrayal as well yep. at the same time. It's this kind but of thing. Like, I but you I also have that kill this guy. I want to kill this guy, but if he doesn't finish this phone call and do what he's doing, my friend is going to die. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I am just so torn right now. <laughs> it's and again that goes back to my comment earlier about Rob Cohen being good with melodrama. That is very like soap opera esque of just like you betrayed me, but you're saving my friend and emotions. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the drama. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I need two coffee mugs. Uh, I'm always go for the 30 Rock reference. Uh, all right, I think we did it. I think we've we've talked the fast and the furious. Uh, the good news moving forward is I think the rest of the movies are all pretty good to some degree. They're all wildly different. This would be the same of the... Um, <laughs> Uh, the rest of them, they might not succeed on their swings, but they all take a fucking swing. Um, and, and I'm excited for them. Uh, so we can do a quick round of plugs. We're going to say goodbye for this show. Every other show on the ATH Network. Be sure to check out ATHpod.com. Uh, Joel, why don't you tell us about one of those shows? Afterthoughts is a podcast with my wife. We talk about mo- movies, but I uh, only say movies because we're doing Lord of the Rings right now. We finished up Fellowship, are going to jump right into Two Towers. Kelly already has, is having travel fatigue, so we'll see how well that goes for the remainder two books. A lot, a lot of walking. Uh, uh, walking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, besides that, I'm on a podcast called Super GG Radio, where we talk about unreleased games, what we're playing in our backlog. And uh, my recommendation today is Loop Hero. I've heard of that one. I've been yeah. actually looking. I want to try that one. Yeah, it, I'm. it's caught me. <laughs> so I think I heard about it from you. I'm not one like, oh, I've heard of that. Oh, I think Joel told me to play it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, what about you? Uh, you can find me on the front row flashbacks where we talk about movies. Uh, but we talk about movies from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s uh, where we get nostalgia-like and really break down the movies and how you know they might have had an impact on the world and the world of cinema. Um, but yeah, you can catch me on there. You can catch me on the Front Row Network doing all sorts of other things. Uh, we're going to be doing a full disclosure where we break down new movies and spoil the hell out of them. We're going to be looking at Evil Dead Rise, which was fantastic. So good. Yeah. Uh, Matt, anything to plug? Uh, not really. 
to be honest. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on ever so quickly. Uh, all right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to our first episode of uh, Dominic Toretto or just Toretto's shitty tuna sandwich. Uh, that never that show up again. No, never, never <laughs> once again. Um, but it still felt like the right name for the show. So we're, we're sticking with it. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Next week, sorry, I have Invisalign. I'm getting used to talking around these fucking plastic things in my teeth. Uh, be sure to tune in next week when we uh, we talk too fast, too furious. Everyone's everyone's favorite fucking titled movie. Uh, okay, bye. 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 bye.